Is Jonathan Allen staying or is he leaving specifically as he headed to the Green Bay Packers? That and more on today's mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. And from there, you'll get text messages directly from me. Send them to me. Questions, insight, news, analysis insider information, exclusive content, all delivered straight to your phone. Join subtext.com slash locked on commanders to sign up today. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Washington commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's fan nation. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100 on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. We're going to dive into some quarterback preferences, some potential coaching pairings from not just the new head coach of the Washington Commanders, but the potential staff that they're going to flesh out. But first, we got to talk about Jonathan Allen, Washington Commanders defensive lineman, and his potential future here or with the Green Bay Packers. And this is coming from Keith specifically, but I've actually had this question from a few people and I've just kind of hesitated to address it here on the show because I haven't had any solidified information, haven't had any solidified reports that I've seen from anybody uh, that I trust, but it's being asked enough that not just by Keith, but by other people that I think it's worth going ahead and addressing. Um, and specifically Jonathan Allen's future with the Washington Commanders is specific uh, and, and definitely important enough to address in general, but we'll start first with the reports or the the speculation here. Um, basically, Keith was was asking about the the reports uh, or speculation that Jonathan Allen could be traded to the Green Bay Packers for a second round and either a fourth or fifth round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. And basically, what Keith was referring to was a Bleacher Reports uh, article where the writer stated, "quote The Packers still have a real need in the defensive trenches after allowing a lowly 126.3 rushing yards per game and tallying a middling 45 sacks." In 2023, Allen would be an ideal solution to both issues and can slide over to defensive end in Green Bay's 3-4 front. Uh, it would likely cost the club the better of its two round two draft selections this year, plus more to get a deal done. But parting with these picks would be well would well be worth the value Allen will add uh, to this defense, end quote. So that's what was written on Bleacher Report. And first things first, that is not a report. That is that is 1000 percent speculation. It is an idea. Uh, that a writer somewhere crafted on his or her own or, you know, their publisher, their editor, whatever it is, uh, crafted the idea and said, hey, someone needs to write this, uh, things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is this is speculation season. That's what this year or this time of year uh, is all about, especially for the teams that are out of the playoffs, the teams that are that made the playoffs and are looking to make improvements like the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and, you know, we've seen teams like the Los Angeles Rams when they led up to their Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they led up to their most recent Super Bowl, they go out and they look to sign these high-name free agents or these high-priced free agents. And they go to make trades and, and basically send their young draft capital for veteran players that they know are kind of plug-and-play type of guys. So it would make sense for the Green Bay Packers to potentially uh, pursue a guy like Jonathan Allen. And like the writer says, with Green Bay's odd front defense now 
Uh, the Green Bay Packers did fire their defensive coordinator. So whether or not their defense stays odd front or moves to an even front uh, system is still to be determined. But either way, Jonathan Allen is going to fit in that equation. If they move to an even front, obviously, John has been playing in an even front defense in Washington, and he's been fairly successful. So they know that he can play there. If they stick with an odd front with their new defensive coordinator, then, yeah, Jonathan Allen, I agree, would basically move over uh, to a defensive end traditional type of spot um, and basically be a run stopper first and then pass rusher. Uh, after that. So certainly the fit makes sense, but I just want to be clear from a media literacy standpoint, this is in no way, shape or form a report that this could actually happen or will happen or that is even being discussed. And right now, I think Adam Peters is much more focused on making sure that he's getting on track with his scouts and their scouting reports and their progress and draft preparation and making sure that they're all on the same page with the plan moving ahead, but then also uh, getting with the remaining staff members starting to make decisions on who's going to stay, who's not going to stay, and then obviously the pursuit of their next head coach. And he's got the Senior Bowl coming up next week, just like I do. Uh, we'll all be out there in Mobile, so we'll come back for that next week. We'll be coming with a whole lot of uh, content from Mobile, Alabama. Actually, the, to finish off this week, I'm going to be doing my, my Senior Bowl preview because we haven't even gotten to that with everything else going on around the Washington Commanders, right? So in this trade speculation, and again, that's, I just want to make that 1,000% clear. This is not a report. This is an idea. Now, the idea is the Washington Commanders would get picks number 41 and number 125 at the best from the Green Bay Packers. Number 41 is the better of the two second rounders. 125 is the higher of the fourth or fifth round picks that the Green Bay Packers currently hold. And of course, compensatory picks are going to push that fourth round pick uh, later down down the order, right? But number 41 would be solidified. So the Washington Commanders would send John Allen to the Green Bay Packers. I would leave them then with two picks, two, 36, 40, 41, 67, and 100 in the first two days. So that's four picks in the top 50, six picks in the top 100. Uh, at number 41, so number 40, the Commanders already own that pick. Number 41 is the pick they would gain from the Green Bay Packers. At number 41, you're looking at players like cornerback TJ Tampa out of Iowa State, uh, wide receiver Adonai Mitchell out of Texas, offensive tackle Kieran Omega-Jay, uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly, out of Yale, defensive lineman Byron Murphy the second out of Texas, Edge Chop Robinson out of Penn State, center uh, Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. But those are the types of guys that you're looking at being available at number 41. Of course, with picks number 236, 2 and 36. Uh, and 40 before it, you got three bites of the apple. You know, there could potentially be a quarterback in that mix, a tackle in that mix, a defensive lineman in that mix, an edge rusher in that mix, a corner in that mix. So some of these players would then probably come off the board because you've already addressed those positions with the picks uh, after. So would I be in support of the idea? Again, Jonathan Allen has a good amount of talent. I still think he's very valuable as a defensive player. Um, he's, he's obviously a veteran. He's from the area. He's grew up as a fan of the team. If he wants to be a part of the solution, then, you know, certainly I think the franchise has to take that into consideration. But if John Allen himself wants out and he's been much more vocal this last season about his frustrations and admitting that he's given some thought to wanting out. And personally, if you've already given some thoughts of wanting out to me, that that shows me you want out. You just either don't want to admit it or don't want to be the bad guy in the relationship, whatever. Nobody's got to be the bad guy. If you want out, send them out, send them to Green Bay. You know, maybe the fact that they're, uh, you know, a perennial playoff contenders remotivates him, you know, great for him, all that stuff. Uh, and then you get these draft picks and you get to add some more young talent to your rebuilding roster. Now, following up on that, what would happen to the Washington Commanders uh, salary cap situation? Obviously, there's some dead cap money in John Allen's contract. And then I've had some questions uh, specifically about what is that dead cap impact? Well, 
when you look at dead money uh, and to try to explain this as deep as possible without diving fully into the contract details, because that's a whole other conversation itself. John Allen's 2024 salary cap hit is $21.4 million. So if John Allen is on the Washington Bears roster, his dead cap or his salary cap hit rather is $21.4 million. That's what he counts against the cap for. Now his dead cap is 12 million. What that 12 million is, it, that is the remaining bonuses and guaranteed money during the lifetime of the contract, not just 2024. So the rest of John Allen's contract, he is still owed $12 million in guaranteed money. If the Washington Commanders were to trade or release him, they're not going to release him, but if they were to trade him, they would still owe him that $12 million. That $12 million stays on the books in Washington, does not travel to the Green Bay Packers, meaning that $12 million the Washington Mayor still owe is dead cap money because it still counts against the cap, but there's no player attached to it, so dead cap, right? Those come from, again, various bonuses and guaranteed salary. Now, the guarantees are always responsible of the signing team. However, the team trading for the player can take on those guarantees like Washington did when they traded for Carson Wentz. Usually, that leads to lesser draft capital being exchanged. So if the Green Bay Packers take the $12 million of guarantees from the Washington Commanders, they'll give up less draft capital because they're taking on that money, and the Washington Commanders would want that. Uh, to manage their cap. In this situation, the commanders probably don't care about the cap space uh, because not only that, but they're actually gaining $9.4 million in savings because the dead cap is less than the salary. So the salary is 21.4, the dead cap is 12. So you take the 21.4, subtract 12 from it, you're left over with $9.4 million. That is the savings that Washington would have. So Washington would actually trade Jonathan Allen, gain a second round pick, gain a fourth or fifth round pick, gain almost $10 million in cap space in the process. Now, if this was Deron Payne, for example, not that it's going to be, but just for example, uh, his cap hit in 2024, $21.6 million. But because his contract is relatively new, he's still owed $46.4 million in guarantees. So in that situation, you take $21.6 million off your salary cap, you subtract $46.4 million in dead cap, you're left with a loss of $24.8 million. So if they traded Deron Payne or released him, they would lose $24.8 million in their 2024 cap, if that makes sense. So hopefully all that makes sense. That's how dead cap works. But now we're going to turn from existing players to future coaches as we dive deeper into this mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and they are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, you simply have to pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then watch your winnings roll in. With the basketball season upon us, you can now pick combo projections from across football and basketball from the Specials League. The Specials League is a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports from different leagues. For example, you could pick LeBron James, you could pick Travis Kelsey and take them at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus reception. So as long as the two combine for 10 and a half, three points made and receptions combined, you win. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, the promo code locked on NFL. That's all lowercase at pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks again for making a 
Hot Dog Committee, the first listener, first view today and every day, every day. Thanks again for coming through on a regular basis like you do. Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Continuing on with today's mailbag episode here on Locked On Commanders, we turned out a bill who has a question about the future of the coaching position and the coaching staff. And Bill says, looks like Washington is locked on. I like that to Ben Johnson for our next head coach. So assuming it's cast in stone, uh, who might some candidates be for the next OC or the next DC office coordinator, defense coordinator. Is there a scenario where if he doesn't get the head coaching job that Eric B could still be in Washington. So there's a couple of layers to this thing, right? We're going to start with the offensive coordinator position. So Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator of the Detroit lions, uh, considered to be the favorite. He was number one in our power rankings on yesterday's episode, because again, I agree, obviously that is where this thing seems to be pointed is that Ben Johnson is likely going to get offered the head coaching job here for the Washington commanders. And assuming that he accepts the best job opening in the NFL right now, uh, then he should be coming to Washington and we'll have a lot of fun covering his journey as the head coach here. Hopefully a very successful journey uh, as head coach here in Washington. So he's going to need an offensive coordinator right now. Ben Johnson, he runs that offense. It's his offense. It's not Dan Campbell's offense. You know, Dan Campbell doesn't call the plays there. Ben Johnson calls the plays there. So he's bringing his offense to the Washington Commanders. That's why it's been so important. Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post has been in Detroit the last couple of weeks for their playoff games, but then spent the entire week this last weekend uh, there with the Detroit Lions. I went down and saw the Detroit, Detroit Lions while I went up and saw the Detroit Lions for their matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And while I was covering the Buccaneers game for BucksGameDay.com, I was also definitely keeping an eye on Ben Johnson for all of you and for myself, watching him on the sidelines, seeing how he interacts with his players, his coaches, uh, his, his quarterback, all that stuff, and obviously came away very impressed like everybody did, right? But the question now is, who's going to be Ben Johnson's offensive coordinator? Now, you're not really looking for an offensive craftsman, right? That's I think that's key number one, because again, Ben Johnson is going to bring his offense. He's going to bring his language. He's going to bring his style to the Washington Commanders. So you're really looking for a guy who knows it, knows the language, knows how to interpret it, deliver it, teach it, and is familiar with it, not a guy who's going to craft his own offense. So for that reason, offensive line coach Hank Fraley has been a very popular name. And I'm not just pulling this out myself. This is other people have already talked about this. He is the guy that basically everybody assumes no matter where Ben Johnson ends up, Hank Fraley, Detroit Lions offensive line coach, is going to be his offensive coordinator, whether it's Washington, whether it's Carolina, whether it's anywhere else. Now, Hank Fraley has some other connections to the DMV that make it even more enticing. But bottom line is, doesn't matter where Ben Johnson goes to be a head coach. The assumption is across the league that Hank Fraley is going to be uh, his, his offensive coordinator. Now, it's important to remember Ben Johnson was a holdover from the previous Lions tenure before Dan Campbell become the head coach, and he was kept by Dan Campbell. Now, Ben Johnson and Dan do have a history going back to their day with the days with the Miami Dolphins previous to the Detroit Lions. Um, but Hank Fraley was also a holdover from that previous Lions staff and was there as well when Ben Johnson arrived in 2020 because Hank Fraley began his tenure in Detroit in 2018, but he has no previous connection to Dan Campbell. So he's been working with Ben Johnson more than he's worked with Dan Campbell because of the fact they were both arrived to Detroit before Dan Campbell did. Uh, so he's got four seasons working with and for Ben Johnson. And also he's from Gaithersburg, Maryland. He's 46 years old, born on September 21st, 1977. September 21st just so happens to be the best day in the history of days to be born on. No bias, full bias. My birthday is also September 21st. Um, and look, the offensive line is the most important group of the offense. So the fact that Hank Fraley 
could be, would likely be the offensive coordinator coming over with Ben Johnson is incredibly important because not only is he going to be able to help deliver Ben Johnson's offense, the language, the scheme, get it all, you know, hopefully going as, as quick as possible. He's also going to understand the nuances of how to coach the offensive line for what the Ben Johnson offense is going to want. And that, again, is incredibly important. We've seen great offensive lines make average quarterbacks look great, great look, great quarterbacks look better, okay quarterbacks look average. So you definitely need that offensive line piece. Now, again, the talent's still got to be there. The execution's still got to be there. But the first, you know, the first part of the process of communication is the communicator. So if you have the communicator set, you still got to worry about the message. You still got to worry about the reception. But if you don't have a communicator, you're never, it doesn't matter how great your message is. It doesn't even matter how great your reception is. You're never going to get the message across if you don't have a great communicator in those positions. So having that guy in place with Ben Johnson uh, and Hank Fraley would be incredibly important for the Washington Commanders. Now, it would also be really interesting to see, let's go a step further than that. The offensive coordinator has got to have his quarterback coach, running back coach, receiver coach, tight end coach, line coach, all that stuff. You might have a run game coordinator, might have a pass game coordinator, right? Uh, so it's not just going to stop the offensive coordinator. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens with the quarterback coach position. Uh, Tabitha Pritchard, I think he did a really good job. I think he's a really smart coach, uh, really savvy coach. His, his communication ability is, is top notch. Uh, just talking to him personally and then seeing him coach on the field. I think I think Tabitha's got a very bright future in the National Football League. Whether or not that would happen or continue in Washington is obviously to be determined, but wouldn't hate that at all. Uh, also in Detroit, though, Mark Brunel is the current Lions quarterback coach. Now, whether or not he was a Dan Campbell guy, so he's kind of loyal there, or he'd be willing to leave for a similar position. I kind of feel like Mark probably, uh, with the success they've had with Jared Goff, would probably stick with Dan Campbell, stay in Detroit, continue to, to coach up Jared. Um, their assistant quarterback coach, JT Barrett, former Ohio State Buckeye standout. He uh, He's a younger coach, you know what I mean? He's got a little limited experience, but if Ben Johnson and Hank Fraley trust him enough to come in and coach up whoever the next quarterback is of the Washington Commanders, whether it be Sam, Jacoby, another veteran, a rookie, uh, then, you know, who am I to, to knock it? I don't have enough information on JT Barrett, the coach, to have an opinion uh, firmly one way or the other on whether or not he would be an effective quarterback coach. Now, as far as Eric Bieniemy being a part of that staff, to me, that's not going to happen and it's not going to work for multiple, multiple reasons. One, Eric Bieniemy is, uh, again, unless something has changed, Eric Bieniemy is, he's on, he's on a mission to find a head coaching job. That's, that's his intent is to become a head coach. And, you know, he's always talked about being focused on where he is, where his feet are planted, not worrying about the future and all that stuff. But the goal, if he's, if he's being, you know, transparent is to become a head coach, right? That's the whole reason he left Kansas city to come to Washington. There's some other things to that too, but that's the whole reason for the assistant head coach thing. And, and all that stuff was to show the NFL, hey, I can do this on my own. I don't have to have Andy Reid as a safety net. And so that's the whole purpose of, of why he came to Washington in the first place. And for those reasons, that's why I don't think Eric Bieniemy would be interested necessarily in staying in Washington and being Ben Johnson's offensive coordinator because he would basically be running someone else's offense. And we've already seen that Eric Bieniemy is not going to get credit from the NFL, you know, uh, uh, circle by and large for running someone else's scheme. So coming to a place in Washington where he gets to run his own scheme and then going back to running someone else's scheme, not going to help his progress. So I think he probably end up somewhere, uh, somewhere else looking for another opportunity, maybe back in Kansas city. I don't know. Now we also have the question on the defense coordinator side. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to answer that part of it. And we have a question from Fran regarding to Ryan Kerrigan. So I will save those parts of the questions uh, for the command huddle this weekend. I'll answer those for the insiders in the command huddle. So 
Uh, good questions. If you want to get on the command huddle again, join subtext.com slash locks on commanders. But we're going to go back to the players now. Potential connection between future coach and NFL draft prospect coming up on this mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Today's mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders. We're turning now over to Robert, who says, I'm leaning more towards Jaden Daniels over Drake May with the second pick. Dave, he can really throw the long ball and he can run. Uh, I wonder who Peters, Adam Peters, Washington Commanders general manager, and Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, presumed favorite to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders, will finally settle on. Yeah, that's a big question. And I mean, the, the, on top of it, the question is, are they really eyeing quarterback at number two? Um, certainly it's a possibility. Obviously it's possible. Not even certainly it's an obvious possibility, even potentially a likelihood. Um, but again, that's a, that's a big part of the discussion that we'll get into in the future. The question now we turn to is which quarterback would these people want to target? Right. And that's a incredibly hard question to answer. Um, but what we have to do is look at history and you have to look at what the apparent presence or uh, preferences seem to be for these guys. And I think when we talk about Adam Peters and we talk about, Going after a young quarterback, you always have to look at the history. And again, we talked about this when he was hired, but two first round quarterbacks drafted in Adam Peters head coach or head coach front office uh, career. Again, this is the first time as general, general manager. So neither of these quarterbacks were guys that he specifically, quote unquote, pulled the trigger on. But Paxton Lynch out of Memphis back with the Denver Broncos, who just flat out did not work out in the Trey Lance. Uh, with San Francisco 49ers out of North Dakota State University, which is by and large considered to be a massive failure, not just because Trey Lance did not turn into the franchise quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, but because the Niners traded up and spent a lot of a good amount of future draft capital to move up to get Trey Lance. Now, how much did the Trey Lance trade really fail? Well, at the end of the day, like you have different spectrums of this, obviously, right? Bottom line is you trade up to go get a franchise quarterback. You didn't get a franchise quarterback. Boom. Doesn't matter. It's a failure. When we get into the context of it, really, it's about injury. It's about Trey Lance not being able to stay healthy because when he was on the field, I'm not trying to say it was great because it definitely wasn't, but he did show some flashes. And specifically, he had a five touchdown to two interception ratio uh, in his eight games that he was able to play. But you have a guy who can play eight games in two seasons due to injuries. Um, that's not a very good sample size. That's not a good opportunity for a quarterback to even try to get in a rhythm, try to get comfortable, try to establish himself. So really, because, and I, I put it this way a lot, but because Trey Lance's body did not agree with his career decisions. Uh, Trey Lance and the Niners really had no chance to ever make good on that trade from Jump Street. Now, you couple that with the arrival of Brock Purdy and his ability to do really well in a short period of time with the San Francisco 49ers and the fact that the 49ers have been in a championship window for the last few years and are continuing to be in that championship window. So you don't you have a franchise and decision makers that don't really have the time 
to be patient. Like this isn't a, we're building into our championship window so we can take a few years if we need to. It's no, that you have a championship defense. You got weapons on your offense, like Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon, IU, George Kittle, a solid offensive line. You need to capitalize right now uh, as much as possible. So for all those reasons, Trey Lance and then and the trade did not work out. Bottom line, it didn't work out, but how do those experiences impact Adam Peters' decision-making? Then remember, this isn't just Adam Peters' decision alone because he's already said this is going to be a work in, in pro. This is going to be a concert. This is going to be him. It's going to be Ben Johnson. And, of course, Ben Johnson, you look at him and you say, man, look at all the, all the great history he had or all the great experience he had with Jared Goff. He's going to want that tall, statuesque type of quarterback. He's not necessarily going to want that young mobile quarterback uh, that a lot of people are after. I wouldn't necessarily say that's true. Just because he's had success with the more statue-like Jared Goff uh, versus another mobile quarterback, I don't think that necessarily means that Ben Johnson automatically just doesn't have confidence or doesn't have the willingness or wants to coach a mobile quarterback. I just think it means he's obviously been able to have success with a quarterback that doesn't have that mobility. So if he gets one that has that extra layer of, of ability, perhaps right, he can unlock even more. So I wouldn't necessarily paint uh, that picture either way. Um, now, the experiences, again, with Trey Lance could scare Peters and Johnson away from a guy like Jane Daniels, who is 6'4", uh, just like Trey Lance. Trey Lance also 6'4", but Jane Daniels is 14 pounds lighter. And if you watch some of Jane Daniels' tape, and again, I've, I've just started to scratch the surface on my tape studies myself with these guys, you know, you see that come in sometimes. You take some hits that you don't want your quarterback taking, and when you consider, well, he took that hit from this college safety who's going to be selling real estate or, you know, running a business or whatever his major is in uh, here in the next few years versus doing that against an NFL safety or an NFL linebacker. You, you vision him taking that hit from a Missouri off ball linebacker versus Micah Parsons. You know what I mean? Like those things matter. And because of Trey Lance's injury history, I think Trey Lance's injury history and the role of the dice that they took to make that trade. I think that actually has the potential to impact Adam Peters' decision and or Adam Peters' part of this equation more than anything else. I don't know that it will complete because, again, you can't draft scared, you can't coach scared, all those things. But I do think that when you hear Adam Peters talk about how his failures have taught him more than his successes, that could be something that kind of creeps up. You look at Jaden Daniels' highlight reels and highlight film, it looks like Reggie Miller of the NFL. There's a lot of deep shots. There's a lot of deep balls. They're very nice. They're very beautiful. They're very pretty, all those things. But you're talking about deep passes and in the NBA, you can live and you can ride and die and you can have a superstar leader that is a three-point guy. Steph Curry is doing it right now. Reggie Miller, Ray Allen has done it. But in the NFL, the deep ball, the three-point shot, whatever you want to call it, is much less. It's, it's definitely exciting, but it's much less impactful than the three-point shot is in the NBA. You look at most passes in 2023 for 20-plus air yards a season. Baker Mayfield had the most. We had 73 of them. That's four per game. Four passes per game. You're typically talking 24 to 40 pass attempts per game. Four of them per game are of our air shots or air yard shots, 20 yards or deeper from the quarterback that threw the most in the NFL. So that's the top. That's the ceiling, right? Other The, uh, the other NFL passer that had four or more per game was Jordan Love, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the better of the two had a completion percentage of 37.5%. So you're attempting four per game. You're completing one and a half per game on average. Now, don't get me wrong, that one and a half, that one to two uh, explosive passes, huge, certainly huge for your team. But when you're talking about the value or the, the value of the deep ball versus the volume of the deep ball, those are things that have to be considered. The highest deep ball completion percentage belonged to San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, who completed 60.5% of his 38 pass attempts 
that went 20 air yards or more. He completed 22% of them. That's what that equates to. That's 1.3 per game. So again, you're talking one to two max. In the NBA, you talk about these three-point shots. You're talking 10, 14, 15, right? In the NFL, you're talking one to two on the high end of the equation, right? So they're, they're, the question is, how much of a risk is it and how much of a risk are you willing to take? You're better off, obviously, taking any quarterback risk if you're also getting additional bites of the apple through a tradeback. So if you get wind that the New England Patriots just absolutely love themselves, some Drake May, you go from number two to number three, you trade, you get New England in number two, they take Drake May, you trade back to number three, you get there, whatever you get in trade capital uh, back from them, and then you get Jane Daniels, plus you get say a third rounder this year, a fourth rounder next year, whatever else you get, that makes sense. So that makes the risk that you're taking a little bit better or easier to swallow. And the question isn't whether it's possible or not for Jane Daniels to be a successful quarterback. The question is whether or not Adam Peters and his head coach, whether it's Ben Johnson or anyone else, is willing to take the risks on the unknowns that come with him and the risks of the knowns that come with him, like his willingness to uh, just dive into the middle of defensive tackle. You love the bravery, right, from, from the guy. But at the same time, you're like, bro, you're you're a small quarterback. Like, we want you sliding. We want you running out of bounds, those types of things. Are you willing to take that known risk? And then are you willing to take the risk of that you are going to develop the unknowns, uh, like the inconsistencies and in some of the short and intermediate passes that you see on tape so far? But that's every player. That's every quarterback. It's including Drake May, including Caleb Williams, including Joe Burrow, Andrew Luck. There are unknowns and there are risks that you have to be willing to take. Trading back, and that's just for the trade back conversation, trading back to get a guy that you can trade back for and confidently still get helps you absorb that risk because again, you get more bites at the apple and that's where we are in the process. And that's the important thing to, to, to understand in the process is I know there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, especially who believe they 100, 100%, 1000% exactly know what Drake may, what Caleb Williams, what Jane Daniels, what a lot of these players are going to be in the NFL. But I'm telling you right now, the decision makers, the guy that get, the guys that get paid millions of dollars to do this job for a living they are just starting to scratch the surface, not just starting to watch tape, but they're just starting to scratch the surface on their true evaluation process of these players. And they will not be really done until April 15th at the earliest. That's the earliest these evaluation guys, these talent evaluators will be done. And me personally, I'm not even completely done with any of my film study, any of my evaluations on any of these players, um, because that's how detailed uh, it likes to get. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to dive into our first senior bowl preview as I get ready to head down to Mobile, Alabama next week for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Always a great time. Looking forward to uh, harassing Adam Peters, Washington Commanders General Manager, down there. In the meantime, if you got questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me directly by becoming a Locked Insider. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Don't forget, Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. So check that out. In the meantime, until we speak again, thank you for coming out. Thank you for making Locked On Commanders part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.